great to see you all. So this is quite a challenging topic, and um, because it's a family service, I'm not going to be speaking for too long, so we'll have some time to praise and worship afterwards. Um, I just want to pray, Lord, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your goodness toward us. And I just pray, Lord, that no one will be put off, Lord, by the title here. Lord, two difficult words, prayer and Israel. Lord, so we just pray, Father, that you would give us some new wisdom, some new understanding on this subject. And I just ask that you bless every single person, Lord, who's listening to this, whether here or on the podcast afterwards. Amen. I'm going to divide this into four sections, brief sections. And um, the Israel in the land success stories for God, strategies for praying for Israel, and then Israel and the end times. And each of those could be a conference, let alone a a topic. But I've also done a handout, and I've got them in this folder that's just fallen on the floor, um, which I've done enough, I'm sure there should be enough copies for anyone who wants a copy of that. Um, And if there aren't, I can send them to you afterwards, uh, just in case you can't recall things that you want to remember. But first of all, I want to talk about Israel in the land. Am I in the way of the slides? I feel like I am, but I'm not. That's fine. And uh, as we go through, I'm going to give you up to five startling facts. Uh, you may not think they're startling, but they were when I first read them for me. So, And um, the first startling fact I'm going to give you, I've got these little slides here, um, is that linked to the incident, the terrible incident on the 7th of October, where 1,200 Israelis were killed. I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's a family service. Um, but Hamas, as we know, made incursions into Israel. On the Wikipedia entry for this, and this is what surprised me, the plan had been for Hamas to get much further into the land than they did, it seems. But they were prevented because of the Israeli Defence Force, the IDF. Now, if we do hold the Bible as the inspired word of God, Genesis 17 verse 8, when God is speaking to Abraham, says to him, I give you all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession which means that uh, the land belongs to Israel. Now, I do want to say God's people, the Jews, are much more important than the land. It's the people that God has a heart for. But at the same time, um, it's possibly a mistake, I want to suggest to you, to separate the lands from God's people, um, just because the New Testament doesn't talk about the land. Second startling fact, they're coming thick and fast this morning. Um, I came across from Steve Maltz's book, Outcast Nation, that I'll be quoting from. What I hadn't realised, and this is maybe just my ignorance, is that uh, Jews nowadays are all descended from the Jews in the southern kingdom of Judah. So basically the tribes of Judah and Benjamin and the odd folk who came down from the north because the, when the northern ten tribes were, were um, exiled by Assyria, they just disappeared. They were, so there was a, a huge pruning that went on really at that time of God's people. Now I hadn't realised that before but if you think about it, Judah, Jews. So uh, that's, I know it sounds a bit silly but I think that's where, because uh, Jews, where does it come from? From Judah, from the tribe of Judah which is of course the tribe that Jesus came from. Um, replacement theology, which I've, I've said it now, replacement theology, that kind of uh, term which is a bit tricky, what it does is it states, and some folk here may well be people who would subscribe to replacement theology, it states that Israel has now come under the church and they have to come under the church in order to be saved and in a way they do. But a couple of verses that they're quite keen on, Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek. 
So in a way, when we become Christians, our, our nationality isn't important anymore because we just trust in Jesus. And that is true. Um, but they also quote Hebrews 8, 6, which says, The ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which his mediator is superior to the old one. The new covenant is established on better promises. And what replacement theology adherents argue is that the old covenant's been totally replaced by the new. Now, there is some truth in that, but it's not quite that simple. So the new covenant is the way that we get saved, is the way that we get to heaven. We trust in Jesus. Every person has to do that, whether they're Jew or Turkish or English or Welsh, whatever you are, you have to, you have to trust in Jesus for your salvation. Um, Jews aren't saved simply by being Jewish. Um, but the old covenant that it refers to there is actually the Mosaic covenant, the one that God gave to Moses, the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments have been superseded by Jesus' death. We still need to follow the law, but the law doesn't save us. But the Abrahamic covenant, which includes God giving the land to the Jews, still applies. It's an everlasting covenant. It wasn't superseded by the new covenant. Marcion, um, M-A-R-C-I-O-N, one of the early church heretics, one of the earliest heretics who came up with something which was completely wrong and had to be challenged, he said the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament. And his argument has partly influenced uh, replacement theology. The reason I'm laboring this is most Christians in the UK believe in replacement theology. Um, and if you actually ask them, they'll, they won't say, um, I believe in replacement theology, but if you ask them, where do you stand on Israel? They'll probably say something like, I support the people of Israel, but I don't think they should be in the land, or something to that sort of effect. Uh, and that's replacement theology. A.W. Tozer says this, it's an astonishing thing that multitudes of Bible students and lovers of the truth should calmly overlook their obligation to Israel. And the trouble is, people like Marcion, and I'm going to name some other names, you may not have heard of these guys, but they were important in the early church history. Chrysostom, Augustine, terrible, they killed, and then Jesus. Um, if they convert, that's fine, but if they don't convert, we don't want to have anything to do with them. And Jews have been terribly persecuted down the years as a result of that. Martin Luther, the monk who initiated the Reformation, his ideas were used by Hitler. He was quoted in Mein Kampf, Hitler's, um, Hitler's piece of work he wrote. And it led to the Holocaust, which, of course, we can never forget. I wonder if it was God's love for the Jews and his compassion for them, seeing the awful uh, things that were happening to them in the Holocaust, that meant that three years later, the state of Israel was actually established. I wonder if it was that. So we are called to pray for the land of Israel and to support the Jews, even those who aren't Christians, even those who are just Jewish um, or even secular Jews. We're called to support them. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable now, don't we, about telling other people about Jesus? If I asked you to do a show of hands, I'm sure most of us would say, yeah, I feel pretty uncomfortable about that. Um, and there's this word proselytize, which is an ugly word, isn't it? Which is just like to, you know, we want to make people become Christians. I was talking to a group last week about Bible bashers, which used to be something that we were called. You bash people over the head with the Bible. Now, we do want to see other people trust in Jesus. Of course we do. Um, and we're like Muslims in that sense. Islam and Christianity are both 
proselytizing religions. We're not like Jews in that Jews aren't like that. Uh, they don't proselytize. Um, but we're different to Islam, in, and some branches of Islam, I should say, um, in that we don't condone, we have done over the years, sadly, Christianity has a terrible history, but we wouldn't condone forcing people to convert and we wouldn't want to help Jews only if they believe in Jesus. We're called to help them anyway. We're called to pray for them. We're called to give to them. It's God's business to judge. You know, you've heard this um, phrase that the terrorists use, the destruction of infidels. And we must destroy all those who don't believe in Allah. And that's not our business. I know we read some uncomfortable stuff in the Old Testament, but we're in a new covenant and we're called to be like Jesus who turned the other cheek. This raises difficult questions. I can't answer all of them this morning. But um, Don Carson says that what we should be doing when we share Jesus is it's a humble articulation of the gospel without any external coercion. We're not coercing anyone. That's not right uh, because we've got free will. Um, we're not called to back people into a corner. Now, that was by far the longest section. Um, success stories for God. You can make a difference by praying for Israel. And you can, make, you can make such a difference. And I don't know if you've heard of Reese Howells. Howells. I was going to say Reese Howells' intercessor, but that wasn't actually his last name, just quoting the title of the book. So Reese Howells was an amazing guy who had a community of intercessors, of, of prayers. And they prayed all through the 40s, I think it was maybe late 30s as well. So they were praying during the Second World War. And they're really exciting stories of what changed because of their prayers. In 1948, when the State of Israel was formed, October and November in 1948, whole days were given over to praying for the Jews to come back to the land. And don't forget, this was after the horrific events of the Holocaust. So the Jews were really in a terrible state. And he says, we pleaded that because of the covenant with Abraham 4,000 years ago, God would take his people back to the land. Now, November the 27th, uh, the partitioning, they were voting to partition Palestine. So there was going to be part of Israel that was for the Palestinians and part that was for the Jews. Palestinians never agreed to it. They never wanted to a part of the land. They would never be happy with that. Um, and so, but there was a carrying of the partition. So November the 28th, they, they reinforced their prayers, Reese Howells and his prayers, and this uh, was carried. And so the state of Israel was created. It was carried by 33 votes to 13, I've got written down here. And the state of Israel became a historical fact. And up till that point, there was no sign or indication that there would ever be uh, the land of Israel again in the same way that there was. It was about 1800 years since Jews left um, Israel um, after, you know, after the time of Jesus. And they've been scattered all over the place. Some people think that the state of Israel is a historical oddity or it's an embarrassment. It should never have happened and it wasn't in God's purposes. Quite a lot of Christians think that. Um, I think it was a miracle that um, the state of Israel was formed. And it's not just one or two vague references in the Bible that say that there will be a state of Israel again. There are dozens of Bible references in dozens of books. I'm not going to run through them all now, but I'm happy to send you uh, a starting, a list, a starter for 10. But in Deuteronomy, um, and this blows my mind really, um, this, was, this was said of the Jews if they didn't obey God. 
the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. There you'll serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. The Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Doesn't this sound like the experience for those of us who know what the Jews have experienced through the years? Think even just of the Second World War, if nothing else. You shall fear day and night. You'll have no assurance of life. In the morning you'll say, oh, that it were evening. And the evening you'll say, oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. So I just want to encourage you. Um, when it comes to thinking about the, the land of Israel, when it comes to praying, that what it comes down to really is what is our heart? And I think it's right whenever we pray and we seek God and we say, Lord, I want to pray what your heart is, that we do ask God to show us. Because sometimes we, we can all go for it and we can pray things, but actually it's not necessarily what God wants us to pray. Are we open to changing our thinking? My thinking certainly has changed over the years. Far be it from me to reach more possession purposes, which might be third startling fact. I haven't forgotten about these. Fully to have more possession of the land than they do at the moment. Third startling fact. I haven't forgotten about these. Um, United Nations. I'm sure you've all heard of the United Nations. They have quite a lot to say about the Middle East situation. 40% of their human rights council resolutions are against Israel. That's there are more resolutions against them than against the, the countries which have terrible human rights abuses on a, on a kind of, um, you know, on, a, on an enshrined legal basis. Um, if you think about it, Israel, surrounded by hostile countries where all sorts of human rights are being abused regularly. You, the UN passed a resolution in 1975 stating that Zionism, which is the idea that Israel should have a homeland, is a form of racism. It's actually racist to say that uh, Israel should have a homeland. Surely that makes us sit up and take notice. I don't think the UN always gets it right. Sometimes they have, but I don't think they always do by any means. And how are we going to pray for them then? Let's just think about this for a moment. I've got four points here, and these are on the handout, so don't panic the fact I'm going to rattle through these. Bring clear requests before God when we pray for the Israel situation. Can I just say, if you haven't found yourself over the last month thinking, I need to pray for Israel, I'd encourage you and challenge you, ask God, should I be praying for this? Because, because Israel is a really, this, what's happening is so serious at the moment. Um, what is God asking us to pray for? We can pray, pray for those who have been afflicted, who've been bereaved. Um, we can pray for church leaders and pastors and priests. We can pray for peacemakers, for politicians. Uh, we can pray for police. We can pray for the army. Secondly, we can lift verses out of the Bible. If you're reading a bit of the Bible, is there a verse there that you can just declare on behalf of Israel? Um, this verse here, or this passage in 1 Timothy 2, I exhort that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You know, whenever peace is disturbed, we 
need to be getting on our knees and and asking God to help. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that you should feel condemned if you don't get on your knees. What I'm saying is that when the Holy Spirit's inside us and He quickens us, then we it just naturally flows out of us as a prayer. And it might just be um, something in tongues, or it might just be Lord help them, or Lord what can I pray? And that pleases the father because we are here to change history this time is we've never this is such an astonishing time to be on the earth and we're really called to have an impact with our prayers you can pray for hamas terrorists to be converted and come to jesus you can pray that um whether it's god's will at this moment in time for that to happen he's more merciful than me he's more merciful has mercy on whom he will have mercy he's more merciful than me He's more merciful than, than the Israeli government. He's more mercy that, merciful than each of us. Um, but sometimes God hardens people so that they don't change their minds and so that they get judged because God has higher purposes to, to, to bring about. And we should fervently pray for Jews to uh, meet Jesus. Sorry, I'm not putting that on us. Is there. Thirdly, we should get together to pray. Pray together, not just on your own. I think there's a prayer rally this afternoon in London um, for Israel. I'm not sure if you can join it remotely. And finally, and this is quite a hard one, and there was quite a lot of conversation going on on our social media last night, pay attention to the news when we pray. Um, I'm going to quote Steve Maltz, the outcast nation guy. He says, the Middle East situation is a confusing one. So we tend to ignore it or to have a superficial understanding, usually based on whatever has been fed to us by the media. And he goes on to say, it is every Christian's duty to grasp the important issues. You owe it to God to understand what's really going on in Israel. We can't possibly keep up with everything. I'm sure all of us during COVID got overwhelmed by all the regular news bulletins and stopped watching them, if, if you ever were watching them. But Louise and I sat down, didn't we, Louise, at 10 o'clock each night to watch the how many people, all the, all the dreadful stuff. And in the end, we thought, this is actually quite bad. <laughs> Stop watching this news at 10 o'clock. And in the same way, it, you know, after a while, we get fatigue, don't we? We get news fatigue with situations that drag on and on. Um, I did share a telegram link last night. Amir Sarfati gives copious updates, but he gives more of the Israel point of view, whereas the BBC News tends to be pro-Palestine, and they also tend to be about half a day behind what comes from um, Amir Sarfati. So if you wanted to sign up for that, then that's helpful. Okay, so moving on to my last section. I must be going backwards. I come to the conclusion. Ooh. My last section... Um, all Christians were Jewish to start with. Uh, Jesus only, only evangelized Jews to start with. And the early church, the Pente day of Pentecost, it was Jews that were saved. But then gradually, Gentiles came into the church, as we read in the book of Acts. And the Jewish distinctiveness disappeared. We moved our holy day to a Sunday. It should have been on a Saturday. There's no good reason for that. We just did it, and now we're stuck with it. And um, we put Christmas on the 25th of December, although Toby and Charlotte seem to think it's the 19th of November that Christmas is, the 18th. Okay, all right. Um, and that's, that's not when, we don't think that's when Jesus was born. So, but we just mark it then. And so we've moved very far from our Jewish roots. But I was pleased to read this, um, that apparently there are more Jewish believers worldwide today than there have ever been. Uh, on the face of the earth at any time since the early days of the church. Probably that's associated with the population of the earth. But of course, 
And this sounds obvious to say, but Jesus was. The Bible was written by Jews. Most of the New Testament is written by Jews. And God's purposes for every single human he's ever created are intimately bound up with Israel, with his chosen people. Without his chosen people, Jesus would not have come. And God preserved his chosen people. We read about it in the Old Testament all the way through to Jesus' birth. But his purpose continues now. Um, because, and this is with fifth startling fact um, that I'm going to bring out here. Um, before Jesus comes back, <laughs> thank you, before Jesus comes back, uh, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem are going to need to say, yes, Jesus was the Messiah. And before the second coming, which all Christians believe in, all Christians believe Jesus is coming back, that's got to happen. And that is quite a big deal. Verse 39, Jesus, talking to um, the Jews and um, his disciples, he says, you shall see me no more. In other words, I won't, return, I won't return until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is code for you are the Messiah. Because that was what they said when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. And the Jews have to say that. And that's quite a big deal. The chief rabbi, <laughs> the prime minister of Israel, has got to say, Jesus was the Messiah. They've got to say, we made a horrendous mistake for 1,800 years, which has led to untold trauma and grief and misery. And it will require a breaking down of their pride to do that. Just like for all of us, when we come to Jesus, if we've truly come to him, our pride has to be on the altar and it has to be broken. And that will have to happen for them as well. Zechariah 12.10 says... Uh, I will pour on the house of David the spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him. They will realize that Jesus died for them. And they will take a part, just as all of us do, in the fact that it was our sin that put Jesus on that cross. And I love Zechariah 13.1. It says, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David. That means that many, many Jews will experience Jesus' forgiveness and will come to know him as their Lord and Savior. That's one of the things that we need to pray for. This is big picture. It's a spiritual battle here. We're not just praying about the humanitarian issues on the ground, which of course need prayer. But God is bringing his sovereign purposes to pass. And, that, and that's me, so I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And I appreciate I've only just skated over these things this morning. But um, please, please um, come and get one of the handouts. Please find out more about it. Ask questions if you want to. Let's just close our eyes. Hallelujah. Lord, and it touches from the dawn of creation, Lord, right through to the end of time and to the establishing of the eternal state, Lord. There are mysteries here that we don't understand. Lord, some of the most difficult passages in the entire Bible. We do want to pray, Lord, for what's going on in Israel, in Gaza. Lord, we do want to bring all those before you who have been bereaved since October the 7th. Lord, we just ask for your compassion, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord, for your provision, Father. We pray that many will be delivered, Lord. We pray that those who are in desperate straits right now would be delivered, we we'll get the medical help that they need. We pray for the speedy release of the hostages, Lord. We just ask that something will happen on that so soon, Father. We pray that Hamas's ability to, to conceal the hostages, Lord, will just evaporate, Lord. And that those hostages will be released, Father. And that this will be over, Father. That there will be no unnecessary bloodshed, Father. 
But we recognize that Hamas are a terrorist organization, Lord, and that they have goals that they will see through to the bitter end. So, Lord, we just ask that you would act on behalf of your people. And, Lord, we just ask for our hearts in all this. Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach each of us how to pray, Lord. Give us the privilege of shaping history through our prayers, even today, even over the next weeks and months. We pray many, many Jews will turn to you, Lord. We pray for a great harvest for the Jews, even at this time, Lord. And we just want to lift to you the Israeli government, Father. We want to lift to you the soldiers, Father. We want to lift our governments to you, Lord, and America to you, Lord, and all those who are uh, supporting Israel, Father. And we just ask for your help, for your wisdom, for each of them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we've been grafted into the olive tree. Lord, mercy, Lord, that you've, you've chosen us, Lord. We're your chosen people too, Lord. It's so, so wonderful. Father, as we move back into worship, Lord, we just ask that you would speak. Continue to speak to us, God. We're so grateful to you. Bless the folk here who've listened so patiently and so receptively to what I've been sharing. In your name. Amen.